Uh, Today we're going to be reading uh, our next part in the book of Colossians, um, chapter 2, verse 20 to chapter 3, verse 4. Colossians 2, verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Uh, Let me pray, uh, and I'll also pray for the children, who are then going to go out with Tom. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for these words and the truths that are hidden within them. That your word is truth, Lord, and we can hear that truth today. And I pray that you would be with Rob as he explains that to us. That you would speak to him, speak through him uh, to us. And I pray that for the children as well, uh, that you would be uh, speaking to them as they learn the same bit of the Bible. And that you would help Tom as he teaches them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Power. We don't use that word much in our church. I guess maybe because we're reacting to uh, to misleading uses of that word, talking about power in in ways that actually it's just it's just the wrong kind of definition of power. Um, or maybe it's because people misuse their power. So we're a bit reactive to people who misuse their power, and that's why we don't talk about power. But just because it's not mentioned, that doesn't mean we don't believe in it. We do believe in power, and we see certain things as being powerful. Let me give you examples. Um, If our working definition of power is something that is able to affect change, as Sam said at the start, we would believe in all kinds of things that have that kind of power, wouldn't we? So uh, powerful people, they can affect big changes in people's lives. Words have a lot of power, don't they? To build up, to destroy, to affect huge change. Paul has already mentioned power in this chapter. Um, So if you look down with me, he said, in him, in verse uh, 12 12 of chapter 2, he said this, if you read from verse 11, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. This powerful working is like no other. It's the kind of power that can breathe life into a cold and lifeless body that's been sat in a tomb for three days. It's that kind of power. So it's on an altogether different level to the kind of ones that we refer to, the impressions of power that we have and that we know. 
Paul's point has been to show that this is the power that has been at work and will continue to work in the life of Christians. So that's what, that's what the power has done. And it will continue to work in their lives. He wants their new life and new identity to change the way they look at life and the things that they actually see as being powerful and the things that they look to for help to live the Christian life. Okay? So we're going to look at two things, uh, two possible places that they could look to. Um, and the first one's there as a, a, a negative. Don't look there um, in the end of chapter 2, uh, verses 20 to 23. And the, the, the second one's the positive in verses 1 to 4 of where they should look. So if you're a Christian here today, uh, there's two simple things that we're going to get from this passage, which is don't look down to the wisdom of men in a decaying world. Look up to the resurrected saviour. Look up to Jesus. Um, So let's look at them one by one. Don't look down. Look upward. So don't look downward. And we get that in verses 20 uh, to 23. Let me read it. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world... Do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings? Paul links their having died with Christ, which was actually a death to the death of this world and the sinfulness of this world, to the absurd notion that they would go back to the world for wisdom, for advice, for power. To live the Christian life. God having worked that power in them. And brought them to a spiritual new life. That they would somehow then think. Oh how do we live the Christian life? Oh we must go back to the wisdom of the world. To tell us how to do that. Um, So he says don't do that. Don't look to the wisdom of the world. To tell you how to live as a Christian. Paul is not for one minute denying. That they have immediate gains right. He says about them. They have the appearance of wisdom. They're wise. It's what we would, might call good advice. We just call it good advice. But the crucial thing about these is that they have no power to stop the sinful desires. They just can't do that. Let's have a look at some examples of the wisdom of man. So a couple of times now, I've had a, a chat with a couple of blokes, um, different occasions, same conversation. One of them was walking with the Cornhill team just over in the estate. Guy in a, a white van pulled up. He, he's chatted to me before. And he, he said, um, it's so great that you guys are young and that you're doing this. Um, there's so much wrong with young people nowadays. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you what would sort it all out, uh, what would fix the problem. Another one, a guy who took the survey on Thursday, whenever it was, said he heard about our youth group. And it's because I'm so, you know, Lovely and handsome and young, isn't it? Um, that they think, oh, youth of today. But, um, you know, he, wa- he also wanted to talk to me about the fact that he had youth groups back in the day. Um, and that would be the thing that would fix gang violence. So youth groups equals no gangs, no deaths. Sounds wise. Sounds convincing, right? If we just had this thing then it would equal no sin, no violence. 
And yet that's just the kind of thing that Paul is talking about here. That the rule that was created out of which, you know, good, good advice, perhaps. You know, put your children into places when they will um, have a good community of people around you. That has no power in stopping the indulgence of the flesh, of, of get, doing away with the sinful nature. But don't you worry, Jesus, Jesus does have the power to do away with, with the sinful nature, but we'll hear about that in a moment. So uh, another example. You heard about this this week. Um, there's a footballer. Everyone knows his name now, don't they? Um, uh, we didn't before, but now we do. What's his name? Zuma. Quite a good name for a footballer, isn't it? Kurt Zuma. Um, this is what... Uh, I didn't know she even was involved in West Ham Football Club, but I'm sure Tom did. Uh, but the lady who's on The Apprentice, one of the people on that? No? Okay, fine. Karen Brady. Karen Brady. She's involved in West Ham Football Club. Who knew? But she said uh, that his apology, that is an important first step on what will be a journey of re-education and atonement in terms of his apology. And it will, is a journey that we fully support him on. Okay? You might not know, but he kicked a cat and everyone's gone really mad about it. They're quite upset with him for doing that. Um, and, and they're calling for his job. They're calling for him to have the maximum sentence. Um, and this is what she said in kind of defence of them playing him as a footballer on the, on the Saturday. And it's the same thing, isn't it? Path of the journey of re-education and atonement. Now that's sort of the thing that we believe, or the world believes, will fix the sin problem in our world. Just educate people and they won't sin. But Paul says... They are of no value. He says that, doesn't he, um, in verse uh, 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They can't stop the sinful desires. That's the, the word he's using, the flesh there. Indulgence of it. They can't stop us indulging our sinful desires. We will find a way to do that. You... It's the belief that saying, if you just take us, put enough distance between us, the thing that we desire and wrongly desire, and us who are wrongly desiring it, if you just keep us away from it, that somehow our desires are going to change. Um, so, they're of no value. It's, it's the equivalent of uh, the wildfire or the plumbing disaster. Now, I don't know which of these you relate to better. Um, obviously, probably more the plumbing disaster, because it's been... We're not really around wildfires, are we? But um, it's equivalent. These rules, these things of saying the wisdom is the equivalent of a temporary barrier. It can slow it down, but it ain't ever going to stop it. It's not going to stop the sinful desires and us indulging them. Um, so it's a bit like the wildfire. They might create a little trench, put some water in it. They can only slow it down. They can't help, hope to stop it. It's a bit like the plumbing with that tape around it. You know, the water's just going to win, isn't it? It's going to push through. And the, any attempts we have to try and stop it will just slow it down. All they can do is slow them down. They're never going to stop or do away with our sinful desires. The only one who can do that is the resurrected Lord Jesus. So, so don't look to the wisdom of the world to help you to fight temptation. Don't start to believe what the world will say about how you can win the battle with temptation. 
because it's only the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ that has already worked in your life that can do that. Let's look to that now. Um, and that might have been where my conversation had gone to, by the way, had I been spending a bit more time in God's word with, that, with those two blokes. Now I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no, it's not going to fix the problems. The problems, Jesus tells us what the problems are, and he tells us that he is the only one who has power to fix our sinful desires. Um, by dying to sin, by giving us new life, that power is at work in us. So don't look to that. Look upward to Jesus. This is the second bit in verses 1 to, three, one to 2, first of all. You see that Paul begins a similar way he started off in verse 20, but it's the other side of that powerful duo. Verse 20 said, if with Christ you died. Verse 1 says, if then you have been raised with Christ. With Christ they have been raised. And then he says where they are to look. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So it's a contrast, isn't it, with what Paul has just said they're not to look at. The, things, the wisdom of this world in order to fight that sin and temptation. So for the changes that will take place in the Christian life, where, where are they to look? They're to look to Jesus. Well, obviously. <laughs> it's a bit, bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Because Jesus is the one who is not dead in a decaying world. He has been raised to everlasting life and he sits at the right hand of God, never to die again. So who are you going to listen to? The, the, the people in the dying world who are dying or the one who's resurrected and lives forever? He is the one to listen to. He is the one to look to uh, if you can have power to fight temptation and if, for the power that you need. Um, he says, set, set your minds. That set your minds is similar to the set, seek the things, okay? It's just a, uh, another way of saying that. You just have a, a kind of sense of, it's the things that we think about, isn't it? Um, will help us to do this or not help us to do this. Uh, so we'll have a, bit, a, a think about what that looks like. But it's just worth seeing that, I guess if I went around this room and I'd ask what you think God's power now that you're a Christian, is actually doing in your life? What changes is it bringing about? I guess there'd be a whole right range of answers, wouldn't there? There'd be sort of, um, sometimes God is giving me power to provide for me and give me these things, or that God's power is, you know, helping me to overcome the difficulties and the situations I'm in. It's interesting, isn't it, that Paul, in terms of the rest of this chapter, kind of focuses on one main area. He focuses on living a good life, living a, a, a pure life, putting to death sin and living righteously. And for some people, you might be thinking, that sounds pretty ordinary. Power stuff, we expect to see you know, miracles or a big show, something that is really obvious to see. And this might sound a little bit like, oh, okay, well, how can you see that? Someone putting to, get to death their lust or their hidden passions. You're not going to see that. There might be some of us who actually were expecting this kind of list uh, because we've been in the Bible teaching church. But we do need to be reminded that this is a powerful work of God. This is spiritual. This is amazing power at work in, 
in doing these things. I guess we get a bit blasé, don't we? We sort of think, oh yes, living the Christian life. Well, that's just going to happen. Well, no, this Paul is saying it, it has to happen because of the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the kind of powerful work that's going on when this kind of change comes about. Uh, we're going to be seeing those two main changes uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so if you want the spoiler, you can read ahead in this chapter from verse 5 through to verse 17, where it finishes, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. But it is coming out of the thing of the power to, for this to happen. It's not us. It's Christ in us. And um, uh, Ian is going to be coming next week to share with us from verses 5 to 11, which I guess is the, um, the put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you? It's the same thing of what is uh, below in the world. Paul fleshes out what is earthly, you know, what he's actually referring to there. Um, where is it? Sorry. Um, and then the second bit we'll be looking at the following week, which is uh, verses 12 to 17. And, and as, I, as I said, it might be that what you expected to hear about God's power at work in people, that this just seems a little bit ordinary. Or maybe it's exactly what you're expecting to hear, but you need to be reminded that this is a powerful work that God is bringing about in people's lives. It's where the real power is. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it, to think God's power is at work in me in this way. God's powers at work in the people sitting next to you in this way. Something that the wisest, most practical thing in the world could never do. It could only ever keep sin kind of at bay for, for a little bit. Jesus can do, and he's at work to do that in your life. That's amazing, isn't it? Um, so we can look to him as the one we need. The, where the power comes from uh, to fight temptation and sin. Um, here then is the power of the Christian life. Having been raised with Christ, our seeking is given a whole new upward direction. We can look to Jesus and he is the one that we need. Um, you might describe it as a kind of shifting in the centre of gravity. So um, our whole life is sort of orbiting around a centre. And before we're Christians, that centre is us. Everything, all our decisions we make is about us and for us. And that's how we make our decisions. Whereas what Paul's talking about here is a massive shift, exchange of the centre of gravity. Now it's Jesus. And things in our life start to orbit, orientate themselves around him. So we, everything starts to change bit by bit. Uh, but it is interesting, isn't it, that it says in verse 3 and 4, what does it say about our life in Christ? is hidden with Christ in God. And then in verse 4, he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. So there's a sense in which the life that we have now in Christ is not easily seen by us. You can't see the power at work in us. We won't see all of it. But it's when Jesus appears that we will appear with him in glory and we'll suddenly go, wow, you were doing all that in me. 
And other people will be able to see it and it'll be like, wow, and it'll be glorious. And so there is a sense in which just our expectations of things, we're going we're gonna to get discouraged as Christians if we think that the change is going to happen like that. Or... And yet the power of God is at work in you to bring about, to, to help you to put to, get, put to death sin. And that's going to be something that is only fully seen when Christ appears. Uh, but it is a wonderful thing that God is doing in you. Um, so let's have a think about this for ourselves. Um, if you're a, uh, what it means to look upward um, and not to look uh, to the world for this is to look to Jesus, the one who has already been raised from the dead and conquered death. Not to those who have some wisdom but are in the world that is dying and, and creating rules about things that are dying but to the one who has life forever and has proven that. And maybe you're looking into this for the first time, to the Bible and to Jesus. You may be believing that the things that sound wisest can actually restrain sin, a bit like the people we described earlier saying, you know, yeah, good advice would fix this problem with me, with others. But we're not bad in sin, we're dead in sin. We don't need teaching that something is bad. We need to be raised to new life. And unless Jesus raises us to to new life, then we'll stay dead. We're not bad in sin. We're dead in sin. Jesus alone correctly diagnoses the problem. And that's why we should listen to him. Because he alone can change us. And it may take you a while to come to that conclusion yourself. But it will come because... Years down the line, when the same ugly passions are still there in your life, you're going to think, yeah, it's changed, but but it hasn't really gone away. My sinful desires are still the same. They haven't really gone away. It may be that you think Christianity is just a better set of rules to live by, a way of life. And if we follow that way of life, we'll be changed. That's kind of, the more we follow it, the more we'll be changed. Lots of people who go to church would think that. But the power to change anyone does not come from the rules or from human wisdom, but from the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. It is an utterly supernatural thing. If with Christ you died, if then you have been raised with Christ. Why don't you ask him to do that for you? You notice your sinful nature and you see that it just has control over you. Come to Jesus. He can set you free. Uh, If you're a believer, be encouraged that God is at work in you. You will only fully see that when Jesus appears and you appear with him in glory. But what he is powerfully working in your life is killing your sinful nature and helping you to fight your sinful nature. And helping you to live for him. Um, so let's pray and let's thank him for that. And let's have, a, have some questions. Let's pray. Father God, if we're honest, we often listen to wisdom around us. Our own wisdom even on what would be the best fix for our sinful hearts. What could help us to live and behave better to avoid certain things. 
And yet, Lord Jesus, had you not died and been raised to life, we would have no power over those things. And yet, because you have died and been raised, you have put sin to death in the body. And you have put sin to death in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will change us by that same power at work in us. Please, as we listen to these, this chapter in the coming weeks, would we be open to hear from you what it is that our new lives will look like? And would you give us a, a desire, a real taste and a real appetite for that life? In Jesus' name, amen. amen.